world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, community, communion, communion this morning, communion time. Get a chance real quickly, run and get yourself, get something something ready to go here. I'll give you a minute to do that. Michelle, do you have one up there? I think she does. She's upstairs. I got my communion right here. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, um, I, I got to confess. Well, first of all, uh, we have a new little baby. I'm not allowed to say a whole lot about it because uh, the family wants to make up an introduction. So we, we have a ha- happy, healthy, I think it's happy, healthy little baby, little baby girl in our family, Quinn Renee. And we'll, I'll talk more about that on Monday when the family gets to make a formal announcement. Thanks for all of you who prayed. She had a, uh, she was induced, had a great pain, not painless, but no complication delivery. So praise the Lord on that. Stephanie's uh, grandson is here, Walker, after 42 hours of labor, 42 hours. And then if I understand it right, Stephanie, they still had to go in and get get the little guy out of there. So uh, 40, I, I can't even imagine, huh? 42 hours of labor. So he must be an earth shaker, huh? He must be a world rattler for him to have to fight that hard to get out of here, Stephanie. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you, your lineage creates an earth shaker, Steph. So God, God bless you and love that little baby to death because it's really, if we would all understand that, I was thinking about as my son give, gave as they gave birth to another child. He's he's pushing. He's almost forty, I think. And I, I, sometimes I look at him, look at all my children, and said, uh, "I see the good things they do." And I said, "Man, I did that." And I look at the bad things, and I say, "Who the hell did that?" Right? <laughs> In our children. So so uh, uh, I mean, they're they're little image bearers, right? The crowns. It's it's just it's a remarkable thing that God would allow us to continue to see. Um, See the population continue like that. I'm really, I'm really, I want to get on a rant here. I'm going to let Joe come in and do do communion, but I, 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 uh, I want to give you the basis for my rant before I get rolling here. Okay, uh, I, I have a kind of a discussion with with the Lord this morning. I think it's the Holy Spirit. I think you talk to the Holy Spirit. And he relays it to the Lord. I think that's the way it works. But I'm talking to the Lord, and anyway, I think the Lord's getting the message, and he's he's using using Morse code to get it back to me, and and. Uh, I, I just asked a simple question. I said to the Lord, Lord, why is so much stuff we believe not true? That was a question I asked. Why is so much of the stuff that we ask not true? Because when we think about the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm going to get into all this later on, maybe. I'll just try to wet, wet your whistle here a little bit. And I asked my wife just before I came down, uh, if we're the bride of Christ, who are the guests at the wedding? 
Did you ever, did you ever ask, did you ever wonder that? And, and who gets, who gets invited to watch the wedding? And they're not the bride? Because they've taught us for years that the church is the bride of Christ, which is wrong. That's wrong. Maybe I'll get a chance to prove that to you later on today. Church is not the bride of Christ. I don't care how many pastors get in the pulpit and say it. You will not find that anywhere in the scripture where it says that the church is the bride of Christ. And so I, I said, Lord, why did, why did you make me so inquisitive that you always got me digging at these things that cause controversy? But I say, I don't want to call the church bride of Christ if it's not a bride. I don't think the church is a woman. Can somebody tell me where the church became a woman? Does anybody know where that happened? That somebody, we're marching like a mighty army moves the church of God. Is that what it says? Is that what it says, Clay? Like a mighty army moves the church of God. I believe it says that. We are we are treading where the saints have trod, I believe. Right? We're an army. And we're women? We're a bride? And we'll get into that after communion, I think. Go make some of you nervous. Because Uncle Pastor Poppy Bell told you that it was we're the bride of Christ. And that's okay, except Pap- Pastor Poppy Bell can't prove that anywhere in the scriptures. Yet the entire, entire, for the most part, Christian, whatever, we believe the church is the bride of Christ. We don't find anywhere. I might dive into that a little bit. Go ahead, Joe, on a lighter note here this morning. Thanks for get- thanks for getting up there this morning, Joe, out there in Cali, California, and uh, leading us through this process. Uh, good morning, Coach. Good morning, everybody. Um, if we could go to Romans. 8, 24 to 28. Romans 8, 24 through 28. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Amen on that one. (laughs) Amen on that one. For what a man... I, I, I I don't hope I have the elements in my hand. Right? I don't hope I do. What a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Hmm. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But Joe, it's Spirit- amazing. It's amazing that he's that he's comparing. Hmm. That he's comparing hoping to healing. Isn't it? Isn't that what he's doing? Likewise, likewise, not only does it help us with hope, but likewise it helps us with our infirmities. Go ahead, I just noticed that. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hmm. It's like I just said at the beginning of the show. I think I'm talking to Jesus, but I go through the Holy Spirit to do it, don't I? I think. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Wait a minute. Wait, Joe, wait a minute. I'm sorry, Joe. Wait a minute. The mind of the spirit. We read that yesterday, didn't we? The mind of the spirit. And he that searches the hearts. Who might that be? He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. This is so deep. This is so deep. Because he because makes intercession. He, he makes Who does? Intercession for, for, the, 
for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to Amen. them who are called according to his purpose. Hey, Joe, it says we know that all things. It doesn't say we hope that all things work together for good. We know that. Yeah, it's a fact. It's a knowing. Yeah, yeah we, know, we know all things work together. Not, it not is maybe. that. Yeah, it's not, not that God might, might, God might make good out of it. No, 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 no. We know that all things work together. We know that. I know that. Do you know that? Yep. All things work together for good for those that love God. But yes, there's a condition to it called according to his purpose. <laughs> oh, you're not according to, you're not going according to his purpose. It ain't all going to work out together for good. Sorry. I'm but sorry. uh coach it says to them who are called according to his purpose. It's not mm-hmm. everybody. That isn't everybody. That is not everybody. It says the, the called. Why does it say the called? Because it's not to everybody. Uh-huh. Boy, hey, George, that's good, man. You're starting to read the Bible now, aren't you? Because mm-hmm. every word there means something, doesn't it? The called. <laughs> huh? The called. Wow. The mind of the Spirit. I can't get by that, Joe. And he searches the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Wow. Now, uh, yeah, no, this is a... <laughs> You could you could probably talk all day about the, what we just what I just read, but mm-hmm. um, we don't have all day, do we? So no, um, we don't. Let's go to Matthew twenty six. Hey, Joe, hang on, Joe. It does say that he's the firstborn among many brethren. That'd be me. That's what I said yesterday. Jesus Christ isn't just my Lord; he's my brother. He's my brother. That we we can't I conceive that, can we? No, we don't think of it that way. Hard to fathom. God, God's our father, and Jesus is my brother. He's the firstborn of many brethren. My brother. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew 26, 26. By the way, Joe, let me, let me interrupt. I love doing this. I love, I love dissecting the Bible like this. I love it. Because it, it see, folks, one question leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, doesn't it? And what's the Bible saying? Our eyes have not seen, our ears not heard, neither in it and into our hearts things God has in store for those who love it. In other words, we can't understand all this. There's there's no, to the depth and the breadth and the height, we cannot ever get to the bottom of this whole thing. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, uh, Matthew 26, 26 to 29. And I'll start out with a, a little short prayer. Heavenly uh, Father, Thank you for this day that you have given us. Thank you that we were blessed with the ability to wake up mm-hmm. and start the day again. Thank you for all everything you've done in our lives, for our families, for our, our homes, our transportation, our health. And thank you for our healings that you've given us or that you're going to, or that you're in process of giving us and will give us. Thank you for being with us in these challenging times. And Lord, bring us cleanse into your sight. Help us to repent for that we should repent for. And bless this bread and drink representing your body and your blood that you sacrificed for us. 
the undeserving. And we don't understand how we are worthy worthy of this, but we would not have done this if we were not. So we are humbled and we are grateful. And we're so grateful that we have a God that gave his only begotten son for our sakes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, Joe, hang on a minute. We are deserving. (laughs) Yes, we are deserving. Why? Because righteousness is imputed to us. We are deserving. You understand that now? We weren't, didn't used to be deserving. We're deserving now. Why? Because we're in the family of God. We are heirs to the throne. We, that is our right, oh my goodness, that's our rightful inheritance. And also our rightful inheritance is healing. And I want to right now, as we, as we get ready to take this, I want to lift up our brother OJ, who has been, OJ's pretty, been pretty sick. Fever over, over 100 for several days now in bed. And uh, we're just, we're going to take this communion right now, believing for OJ to be healed. Why? Because we just found out what what he what he is, what he belongs, that, that that what being a Christian is all about, and what is rightfully his. And the Bible says that healing is the children's bread. So, Lord, we ask you that even through this wafer, that you would touch OJ and you'd break that that spirit of infirmity off of him in Jesus' name. Strengthen his body, strengthen Dorita, and raise him up in Jesus' name. Lord, that is our bread. That's OJ's bread. As we take this today, we remind, remind you and him of that. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, Joe. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. Amen. Children's bread. Here you go, OJ. Mm. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day, for I drink it with with new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Thank I, know they said, I know they said there's not supposed to be any weeping or anything in heaven, but you know what I think is going to be one of, the, one of the saddest things is that when we are with our Heavenly Father in that heavenly realm, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, then when we realize, when we realize our power and authority that we had, that's going to be, that's going to be disappointing, isn't it? You will stand before the Lord. You say, you mean I could have done that? What? I could have been I that. I could have, I could have been that. I could have. We we could have done. Yeah. I could have changed that. What? Are you kidding me? I could have done that. Yeah. Why? Because the same power raised Christ from the dead dwells inside me. I'm a dead man. His spirit is me. I'm I'm his spirit. He said greater works we, he, we would do. He's going to leave. We're going to do greater works. Are we doing greater works? Clay, you doing greater works than him? When's the last time you raised somebody from the dead? Hmm? Well, because we have a faithless church. We have a church without any faith in it at all. You don't have to agree with me. I'm just reading the mail. Oh, ye of little faith. I know what Jesus said. Oh, ye of little faith. Wow. Oh man, 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 man. Okay, thanks, Joe. I think we're I think God said 16 minutes after. Um 
<clears throat> let me let me let me get my bearings here. I want to see that. I want to see that. Uh, go to the Brunson. Hey, the Brunson brothers are back, boys. Brunson brothers are back. Boom. What? Oh, Brunson brothers are back. The Brunson brothers case is back on. What? Oh yeah. Brunson case has been accepted again for a conference this time on February 17th. Yep. The 17th of February, the Supreme Court is going to have a conference to hear again the appeal of the Brunson brothers. And here, here's what it is. This is the truth. Okay, you ready? If if in fact the our elected officials do not have to be held to their oath, then government's over. Then government is over. This is really, really serious and really at the heart of, of everything. If an elected official who takes a vow, I don't know what, I don't know what oath they take. When they take the oath of office, hey Jonathan, I'll go see if you're as good as uh, as our uh, as our buddy um uh get my brain working here. See if you can find the, the congressional oath of office. See if you can find that for me. Google that for me real quick. Because if they don't have to follow their oath, then then we really, really have a foreign government, don't we? The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial office, both the United States and several states, shall be bound by oath of affirmation to support this constitution. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification in the office of public trust under the United States. By, again, by religious, religious um, meaning you didn't have to be a, a church of God, member of the Church of God. Or I'm sorry, the Church of England. You didn't have to be a member. You could be a Baptist. You could be a Methodist. You could be a Lutheran. It, was no, it didn't matter, right? And so, look, folks, that's the U.S. Art, Constitution Article 4, 5, uh, Clause 3. And if they're not bound by their oath, then there's no sense saying an oath. That's what the Brunson case is all about. Oaths of offices uh, have been features of government for centuries. In the United States, where uh, colonies in Great Britain, officials swore allegiance to the king. Uh, colonial and state legislatures also created oaths that required members to swear allegiance to the state and often profess a belief in God. Today, members of the House take an oath to uphold the Constitution in a group swearing in on the House floor on the opening day of the new Congress. Often, they pose for several ceremonial photos and visit of the Speaker following the official swearing in. Does good answer? Does it give us the oath? <clears throat> Keep on going. See if it goes. Uh, tells us what the oath of office is. Current practice, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it doesn't say what it is. We could done that. The point is, the Brunson case is about the fact that these elected officials have violated their oath. And is the Supreme Court going to hold them to their oath? I do solemnly swear and affirm that I support, he's got, hey, you get, Jonathan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a raise. You're doing pretty good here today. Uh, <clears throat> I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of, uh, that's presidential, going down, going down. Uh, judicial, no, going down. They, they do it too, by the way. They're, Hang on. The Supreme Court justice, I do solemnly swear that I will administer justice without respect to persons. You do equal right to the poor and to the rich. And I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform all the duties incumbent upon me as under the Constitution laws of the United States. So help me God. That's what Supreme Court justices have. Uh, I <clears throat> um, still don't see the oath of all. I don't, want to, you, I don't want to belabor it, okay? Go back to the Brunson case. That's at the heart of the Brunson case. 
if if the Brunts, if the Supreme Court says that our elected officials don't have to follow their oath, then we don't have a government. That's what's at stake. Now, will they? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But it's good to know that that case is back on the on the um, docket. I'm kind of distracted here. I've got thinking about 50 different things and how I want to try to present it. So bear with me here a second. Uh, pull up, if you can, for me, uh, Rome in 300 AD. <clears throat> yes, good. I didn't know you were going to be able to get this. Somebody, uh, whoever sent this this morning to me, thank, thank you. Okay. You've, uh, you ever heard about being fed to the lions? You heard that before, haven't we all heard that, being fed to the lions? Do you know that was literal? <laughs> you know that was literal? This is about three minutes. Go ahead and play this. Pretty powerful. So we have the expression in English, being thrown to the lions. We use it sort of metaphorically, right? But it was very literal in the Roman Empire. People actually were thrown to the lions. When they see a few of their high priests eaten by lions, they'll turn to our gods. to his beliefs and died for it. Why? For something he believed in. And that must have been astounding to the Romans. They put me in a room, a white room that, with just a table in it. Hang and on, they hang me on, to hang a on, table. hang on. Hang on. This is, uh, I'm sorry, his name slips. The father who just was found not guilty of face violation. I'm sorry, his brain... Uh, brain Matt, Matt Hook. Matt, thank you. Matt Hook. This is him. Talking about what happened to him. Go ahead. It seemed a little extreme, but nonetheless, I'm shackled on my feet and my, my waist. For six hours, Steve, I have to say to your audience, it was the most intimate prayer experience of my life. I was at the foot of Calvary. I was beneath Christ uh, at the cross, and I felt tremendous peace love and joy and i mean that sincerely i want to make sure everybody understands what's going on those state troopers the fbi agents the u.s marshals guys you consider the good guys not in this administrative state that's the romans they're nothing but the romans that are torturing and persecuting first century christians what you saw there mark halk was chained like a dog and brought in with all those fbi agents i'll stay true for one simple reason i want this audience to fully understand it He's living, uh, he's uh, lived Christianity. He doesn't talk about his religion. He doesn't, uh, you know, go to church once a week like, like most Catholics and most Christians. It is his lived Christianity that brought him to be chained like a dog in that room. And his victory is the victory. If you study the martyrs, you study the saints, that's the victory. They say it's the most powerful moment, the most, you know, you talk to people, you, you read it, the most powerful moment. You flip it back on them. This is first century Rome. They're like the Nazis, they're just like the Romans. There's no difference. And for the state troopers and the FBI agents and the US Marshal, I'm just doing my job. Hey, go back and look at the Nuremberg trials. Just doing your job is not good enough. When are you going to be back uh, saying the rosary? Next Wednesday, I get back on my regular schedule. 
FBI, state troopers, U.S. attorneys, Merrick Garland, all of you suck on that. Mark Houck, uh, you're a good man. Thanks, Steve. God bless you. That makes me want to weep. Now, I'm going to say this. Some of the most brave, some of the bravest men I've met in my life are Catholic men. Did you hear that? Because I beat up on Catholicism a few few days ago, and the Pope and all that kind of stuff. Some of the bravest Christian men I've ever met in my life. In fact, I must almost go one step further. The bravest Christian men I've ever met in my life have been Catholic. Boom. Just telling you the truth. Real Catholic men. Whatever Catholicism is, whatever that thing means, there are some guys in that Catholic church who will die before they're bound. I think about Johnny Tuttle, the late Johnny Tuttle, the, the Mike Blake and I and others who go to the abortion clinic, the abortion mill, pardon me, Emma. Uh, Johnny Tuttle was faithfully there for, for 30 years. That passed away about two months ago. Catholic man. And it was an honor to stand side by side with Johnny Tuttle every time I was there. And there was something inside him that I longed to have. A courage, a, a, a what, what is it? A no-sell-out attitude that I, I think we all could benefit from. At what point are you going to blink? You. At what point are you going to blink? Because we have to come to the realization, as we just saw there, those are our police officer, our government, are the Romans, Roman centurions. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. 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 Back, back the blue, back the blue. We all back the blue. We all back the blue. I don't back the blue when they do things like they just did to Mark Huck. I don't back them. I don't back. I don't back any man who takes credit for just doing his job, Boom. apart from moral responsibility. Have I told you the story of Chuck, my friend Chuck Gallagher, who I've tried to have on the show a number of times? Chuck Gallagher was a police officer in Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada. And he was ordered to go to an abortion mill where they were blocking the entrance to the abortion mill. Chuck Gallagher, excuse me, shows up on the scene. He's the captain in charge. And he's getting orders from downtown to remove and arrest those people her blocking the entrance. And Chet Gallagher told his superior, I'm sorry, you have to get somebody else. I can't do that. I won't do that. These people are laying down their lives, risking going to jail for protecting little babies, and you're going to have to get somebody else to arrest them. I'm not going to do it. Cost him his job. Cost him his job, cost him his retirement, because he said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna serve Caesar. I'm not gonna get a paycheck and not defend little babies." I'm, you mean to tell me you're asking me? 
to arrest people who are trying to protect unborn children? The hell's wrong with you? That's what he wanted to say. You're arresting the wrong people here. <clears throat> so we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have to understand this. <clears throat> There's such a thing as a martyr's crown. What? Oh, yeah. Jonathan, Google that. What's a martyr's crown? We don't want to hear that, do we? Huh? <laughs> we don't want to hear that. I don't know if you find it end up in there. Of course, crown of immorality. No, a martyr's crown. In other words, there's a special awards banquet for those who died defending Christ. Called a martyr's crown. Sorry, we don't know more about it. <clears throat> special place. Because see, all of us going to die. All of us are. And I don't want to be as they say, crown of martyrdom. What's that? What is that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Jesus is upon, pardon me, this is, this is new to me too, okay? Jesus' opponents felt sure that his execution would solve the problem that he had become. <laughs> they thought if it was to get rid of him, they crucify him, his problem's all going to go away. That was the Roman authority. Typically, that's the way they dealt typically with troublesome religious movements. With exemplary public with exemplary public violence, they crucified him publicly, just like January sixth. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Once the charismatic leaders were removed, and the treasuries emptied, the followers usually lost their ardor for the call. See what's going on with J six January sixth. See why they want to. You see why they want to arrest Bill Dunphy? Because why? He's one of those charismatic leaders. They got to get rid of him. You'll get rid of him. Why? Because the followers usually lost their ardor for the cause once they saw him. Crucifixion was a particularly gruesome, humiliating, and torturous death. See, they crucified Jesus because they wanted everybody else to know, you act like this guy, that's what's going to happen to you. Quite the contrary, it made matters worse. As reports of the master's empty tomb went abroad, his popularity <laughs> took an ups- upstake. <laughs> So the conflict continued and grew. Now, with ever more numerous disciples taking the place of Jesus in the struggle with the Jerusalem authorities. Opposition, it seems, was an unavoidable part of the life of the disciples. I'm going to read that again. Opposition, it seems, was an unavoidable part of the life of the disciples. Jesus himself said, I will send apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. Luke eleven forty nine. And in another account, he made it clear that such opposition would be universal, marked by Roman crucifixion and Jewish scourging. He assured his disciples that contrary to all appearances, persecution would be the occasion for great blessing. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What? Oh, no. Didn't say they're going to go to heaven. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. huh? And you're blessed when they persecute you. Oh, my goodness. Persecution was a recurring theme in Jesus' preaching. He made clear that it was inevitable. What? Made clear it was inevitable? But that it should be sought. 
Persecution was inevitable, but it should be sought. Persecution should be avoided if possible. It would be the occasion for some to lose their faith. Those who persevered, however, would be rewarded so greatly that they would come to see persecution itself as a reward. The apostles in turn experienced persecution and came to expect it. Indeed, it says in Timothy, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Occasionally it would come in waves over the entire church as it did in Jerusalem and elsewhere. The early Christians came to apply the word persecution to any obstacles to the fulfillment of their mission. If the obstacles were not willingly directed by men, they were seen as persecution of the devil. Calamities, famines, peril, hardships would try believers to test their faith, but they did not themselves have the power to separate a Christian from the love of Christ. You cannot separate a real Christian from Christ. Can't do it. When Christians were weak, then paradoxically, they were strong. When they were at their weakest moment, the Spirit of God strengthened them. The authorities in Jerusalem expected public flogging and execution to induce terror and shame. For the disciples of Jesus, however, persecution, whoops, I lost it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. For the disciples of Jesus, however, persecution in every form became a blessing and even a reason for boasting. When Paul boasts of his accomplishments to the Corinthians, one thing he makes sure to mention is that he was flogged in public five different times. Persecution was for the church a sign of success, a mark of resemblance to Jesus, who said, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, if they if they whip the crap out of me, they're going to do it to you too. Wow. This is really good. I'm not going to take the time to read all this. Right? But boys and girls, when the rubber meets the road, that's, that's, your, that's your crown right there. That's your crown. Whew. Man. I got knocked off course here. Uh, that's all right. Go on in, Jack. Yeah, just a quick note. You started out with the oath. I sent you a text that uh, is just a screenshot of the first United States statute. Morality and honor were the the primary uh, regulator because the, they knew that the Constitution wasn't a dictatorship. So there needed to be a constant renewing of honor and morality, and that's what the oath was. So it was so important that even even though it was in the Constitution, the first United States statute that Washington signed said, reiterated the value and importance of the oath because it was all about honor, not law, not the letter of the law. You mean keeping your word? you. You mean keeping your word, Jack? Something like that, yeah. Huh? Wow. Today they don't keep their word, they get reelected, get promoted. Some of them are particularly good liars, aren't they? 
Reggie. Thank you, Coach. I want to just take a minute and um, go back to Mark. I, I want to speak a little bit about his character. Dennis and I personally know Mark. Each of us have had an intimate time with him as far as, you know, when you're in a private setting. And he's an amazing person. If, if the devil were ever to come after anybody, <laughs> pick the wrong one because Mark is not, he's a man's man. And that's his ministry not only with men but women he builds people up he 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 will personally say his, his, he was a drug addict he was a porn addict his ministry god called him when he met his wife and uh, his mother-in-law and he said that woman taught him to be a warrior um she's a hardcore fighter she's a hardcore uh, sword carrying uh, you know a gunslinger and um he learned from her and she helped deliver him and in turn what he does is he takes men out into the wilderness and he builds men up for to be soldiers for god and in the midst of all of that he helps deliver them and helps them recognize their weaknesses so that they can come through that it's he's an amazing amazing person and i knew when i found out about that that he would make it through because he knows how to war against his courage there's not enough that I can say about Mark's character. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. Reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Are you kidding me? It should come as no surprise then that St. Luke dedicates so much narrative in the book of Acts to the story of the first disciple to be persecuted unto death. His name was Stephen. He was full of faith, full of grace and power, full of the Holy Spirit, Acts 6. Steeped in the history of Israel, he was eloquent, persuasive, admired even by the apostles. He was chosen among the first deacons to assist them in the administration of the church. The book of Acts has only 28 chapters, and two of them are devoted almost entirely to the works of Stephen. Wow. Because he was persecuted unto death, Stephen's story loomed large for centuries to come. In the imagination and conversations of Christians, the church would have almost universal outlaw status for more than 250 years. From the age of the apostles till the reign of Constantine, persecution was indeed, as Jesus and the apostles had predicted, the normal condition of Christian life. Stephen's story provided Christians a framework for the understanding of all subsequent persecutions. Luke's narrative, in fact, presents Stephen's trial and death as strikingly similar to those of Jesus. Tim, come on in. Hey, you were talking the other day about uh, someone trying to shut you up about the homosexual stuff. That bothered me, man. And I was praying for you. uh, You never shut up. And that word sincere in the Bible, they have sincere faith. Is a Greek word meaning uh, no wax. And it comes from mm. the term when they would put pots for sale, they would have some that would say no wax <clears throat> because they would take a cracked pot, fill it full mm. of wax, and sell it as a uncracked pot. Wow. So when it talks about sincere faith, we have cracked pots out there. They wow, really Tim. Have cracks in their doctrine, cracks in their faith, and they sell themselves as a good pot. So when you have sincere faith, you're saying, I have no cracks. Wow. So 
that that bothered me. Yeah, I'm a Greek studier, so when it comes to biblical languages, you know me, buddy. So uh, <laughs> when you're talking about that, that really bothered me. And so I, I was sitting on that for a couple of days, and I thought, you know, God, I hope nobody ever shuts them up or comes after them. So I was thinking about you, and now you're talking about being a martyr. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, God, let this guy never be unsincere, may never use wax, uh, and may nobody ever shut him up. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Yes, sir. Huh? Wow. Can you, can you, Matt? See, I, I, Tim, that's, that was, that's, whew. I'm a football coach. And I'm going to tell you something. As the head of the team, nothing would touch me more than to watch on film the all out effort of one of our players. The nearly superhuman effort some of those guys would make during the course of a game would touch me so much when I looked at it on film and say, my God, what made that guy play that hard? Don't you want the Lord to think about that when he looks at you? Don't you, don't you want the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine right now up in heaven? If there is such a place, I, I mean, I know there's such a place, but you get what I'm saying. If all the old saints are sitting around and they're showing game films, they're showing game films of what they did. <laughs> and then they're going to turn to you and say, what'd you do? Oh, I, I served on the breakfast committee at church. Nothing against breakfast committees at church, but I don't think I don't think crowns come with them. Alan, come on in. Hey, coach, talking about persecution, I think the biggest persecution we actually face in America is from our own family, our own households. And a lot of people, a lot of people will capitulate to the family rather than sticking to the cross. And uh, I'm gonna tell you something right now: being a godly example, being a man of God, being a woman of God. To the family, right? To their face, being that example. Amen. Are you looking at my windows? Are you looking at my windows? Go ahead. (laughs) I, you know, I've seen it myself. I've seen it myself. We got to make that stand, coach. It's not. It's not easy. I would rather probably rather face lions than I would have to face people that you love the most that don't really love you. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. I think that's the biggest devil we fight in in this country. Is that is when our family is not backing us up. See, it doesn't matter if. If my mm-hmm. sheriff came to me when I worked the sheriff's department, so I'm going to get rid of you, Zyphon, for your faith. I'd be fine with that. I'd be mm-hmm. fine with it. But if my family sat there and said, hey, the sheriff's right and you're wrong, now see, that would be a whole different story right there. I'd really have to make a stand. But I've had mm-hmm. to stand by myself for many a time. But at that's the end it. of some of my family's life, because I set the example, that's what turned them right at the end. Alan, I remember I've, I shared this story many times. Man, I, I'm feeling this deeply today, folks. I remember when we had an issue that happened in our family 20, about 20 years ago now it was. And uh, I picked up the phone. I called my, my friend, Coach Norm. If you're listening out there, he, God bless you. Love you, man. And, <clears throat> and I'll never forget that um, I told Norm what had happened. Uh, his response on the other end of the line was really kind of, I thought, wow. When I hung up the phone, I thought, <clears throat> boy, I didn't get the response I thought I was going to get from them. I was trying to figure out what was going on because, hey, everybody left Jesus, you know. Huh? Only one hung out to the end. Everybody else ran. 
So I thought, well, I tell, tell my best buddy, Norm. <laughs> wow, that's quite a reaction. <clears throat> and 45 minutes later, he was standing at my door. I'll never forget it. Of all the people that I knew and our name all over the media, Coach E showed up at my door. When everybody else wanted to run from being associated, even though they didn't know the whole story, right? They all wanted to run and not be associated with it. Coach Norm didn't know it all the story either, but he showed up. He came to my door. So you're tested in times of trouble, friends. You're tested in times of trouble. And we fight this everywhere that we look, all of us. Are you listening to me? Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. And most of us have been taught in Christianity, don't rock the boat. That is a peacekeeper. Don't rock the boat. Hey, Jonathan, pull that up there, uh, Matthew chapter 5, because I want to make sure that you guys understand what I'm telling you. I'm not making it up. Matthew chapter 5. And he opened his mouth. Blessed are the, go down the bottom. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Blessed are the, nope, too far, brother. I'm sorry, I got you going too fast. Go back up the top. Blessed are, verse eight, nine. Blessed are the peacemakers, not keepers. For they shall be called the children of God. And I wonder how many of you in your own family. I'm sorry, I just got to tell you the truth today. I wish I could have you come here and make your life easier. But how many of you are tiptoeing through the tulips around your family because you don't want to, you want to be a peacekeeper? Amen. You don't want to be a peacemaker. And the peacemaker is the truth. And if you want peace to come to your home, speak it. Regardless of what the consequences are, speak it. Because as long as you tiptoe through the tulips, because you're afraid you're going to offend somebody, you're going to be a peacemaker. I'm sorry, peacekeeper, rather than a peacemaker. And isn't it interesting? Peacemakers are called the children of God, not the peacekeepers. Man, I feel this today. Kevin. Yeah, I just want to go back to uh, the oath when you're talking about with the Brunson case, if I can just the, the importance of upholding your oath. Because if you don't uphold your oath, your service doesn't amount to a hill of beans. He puts his word above his name. Because if his word is no good, his name is no good. The name, yeah. the name Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer is no good if my word's no good. Doesn't mean a darn thing. And if you think about it, Coach, taking that oath is no different than you taking a vow to your wife when you get married. If you don't up, because a vow and an oath are the same thing. If you don't uphold those vows, your marriage doesn't mean a darn thing. Uh, hey, listen, we don't even expect people to uphold their oaths anymore. It's By the true. way, Sorry. hey, look up oath, Jonathan. Go to Mr. Webster and look up oath. Oh, hey, oath. Coach, uh, another point on top of that. That oath and that vow are both made before God. A solemn affirmation or declaration made with an appeal to God for the truth of what is affirmed. The appeal to God in an oath 
implies that the person imprecates his vengeance and renounces his favor if the declaration is false. I'm going to say that again. Uh, The person imprecates his vengeance and renounces his favor. In other words, the guy who takes an oath says, listen, cut off my freaking head if I'm lying. That's what you say. Hey, coach. If the de- hang on, man. If the, de- if the declaration is a promise, the person invokes the vengeance of God if he should fail to fulfill it. A false oath is a perjury. Go ahead, Alan. I was just going to say, Coach, a good name in the Bible. I mean, if you look that word, just look up that phrase, good name. Jay, Ecclesiastes 7. Name. Ecclesiastes 7, John. Keep going, Alan. A good name is better than fine gold and choice silver. And people don't realize when you make a statement and you make a vow, that 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 all settles behind your name. Anything you've done, Coach, you know, all that stuff is, is behind your name. And, and that's why I love you so much. You're genuine. You're a man of your word. And we all need to be that way. Because when people look back, they can say, oh, well, I remember what Zypher used to do. I remember all yep. the things he used to be into. But now I look at him now. He's totally a real crackpot now. Amen. <laughs> well, that's right. A good name is better than precious ointment. Remember this. If your word is no good, your name is no good. If you break an oath, your name is meaningless, boys and girls. Janine. Um, just an FYI. Peacekeeper isn't even in the 1828 dictionary. <laughs> Let's see. Look up peacekeeper. See if you can find that, Jonathan. Thanks, Janine. Huh? Change the words. Change the world. Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper. I haven't even heard of it. It's a peacekeeper. You know where the conflict comes? Michelle's a peacekeeper. I'm a peacemaker. <laughs> That's, that's a struggle we have, right? Jesus wants peace. I said, no, 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 no. I want real peace. I'm going to confront that. I'm going to bite that one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bust that pus. I'm going to bust that boil. Jack, come on in. Yeah, you mentioned in what you were reading there on the oath. That's why I confront legislators that have perjured their oath on day one when they By first the way, Jack, it. it is our duty, the declaration said. Yes. And so if they haven't even read whatever the document is or the, or the, the pr- principle is that they're taking an oath to, then they commit perjury on day one. So if you're a state legislature and you've never read your state constitution and you take an oath to support and defend your state constitution from all um, enemies, foreign and domestic, then you are guilty of perjury on day one. Perjury. Listen, why would you keep your oath if there's no consequences to it? Why would you? Right? Why would you? For better, for worse, for richer and poorer, sickness and health. I got to tell you something. I've never in my life regretted the uh, vows I took to my wife. Never, not one time. But I know many who have. I know many who have. And we don't take the vows seriously. We, oh, look, I'm not trying. I'm a peace. I'm a peacemaker. Right? Amen. And those of you who vowed a vow to, till death do us part and broke it. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Dave Allison, come on in. 
Can't hear you, Dave. If you got to unmute yourself, man. Joe Allen, while we're waiting on Dave. Okay, just think of the vow that they that they have to take sworn in every four years. They read this and speak it every four years and raise their hand. Right. Although like Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, all these senators and congressmen are breaking the law every single minute. Amen. 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 And so understand this. Their job is to try to uh, scare the rest of us in to uh, uh, falling in line. They've decided they ain't going to keep the law. We're going to try to, they're going to try to make us keep in line. By the way, Jonathan, pull out, even though I played it in the after show, I'm going to play it again. Uh, where is it? I want, to, I want you to play that the Bill Dunphy video from yesterday. Did, did I send that to you, John? I thought I did. Oh, heck, heck. Okay, go ahead. Now come. Dave Allison, are you there? I mean, you're there. I see you there. Randy. Yes, Coach. So let's let's take a look here. Uh, is this – if this Brunson case comes back, back – I got it. No, I got it. Okay. If this go ahead. Brunson, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Dave correct. Allison, hang on, hang on, Dave Allison, Randy's in. Go, Randy. If it's back in the picture, and it looks like it is, um, then is who's doing this, Coach? Who's making this happen? Is it God or is it the Luciferians? I mean, we got to figure this out. We have to know. Because if it's God, he's saying this is my will on the earth. This is maybe my will for this nation to set this, bring this back, this precedent, this this godly principle of keeping your oath coach we have to see this and and push be on the side of who's doing it we don't have to just sit there and like we don't know or or we don't do anything we have to participate with god in what he's doing and and this is his will coach he wants to bring back this is this it isn't a guess it isn't hope it's either you calling that which isn't as though it is and that's what faith is or else you're just watching we have to be part of what God's doing. And I say this all the time, Coach. But if if we're not, we're just talking. We're not doing anything. Amen. And talk is cheap, right? Talk huh? is cheap. Amen. Man Amen. Is ju- the man is judged by his words. Dave Allison, come in. Jonathan, yeah. I just sent you the video. I just sent you the video. Go ahead, Jonathan. Go ahead. Uh, Mr. Producer, pull up Revelations 21.4, if you could. Revelation 21.4. I love this show. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. Coach, the Lord showed me that while you were talking. We always think there's not going to be any tears in heaven, but I truly believe that will be the final form of humility that we'll have to experience when God shows us what his plans were for us. And then he's going to wipe away our tears. So if there's no tears in heaven, nope, it says right here there's going to be tears in heaven. He's going to wipe them away. But that'll be our final form of all humility when God shows us what he had planned for us. Dave, I think we're going to be crying that when we see what we could have done. That's what I think. And he's going to say, he'll wipe them away, say, that's all right. My grace is sufficient. I I played this yesterday in the after show. I want to finish up with it today. This is Pastor Bill Dunphy. This is, folks, remember what I'm saying? That they wanted, we just read it in the scripture, that they wanted to get rid of the leaders. They want to get rid of the leaders. 
Here's vindication for Bill Dunphy. Right here's vindication. Go ahead. Listen, please listen. I have talked to this gentleman right here. Sir, are you going to try for me? The one police officer right here. He is going to talk. He is his leadership. What we were requesting is allow us to the step. Allow us to the step. Yes. Get us to the step. You can stop right there. Trial's over, boys and girls. The trial's over. Amen. In my opinion. In my opinion. But see, they don't they don't care whether or not they Bill Dunphy's guilty or not. They want to make sure that you keep your mouth shut and you stay home. That's what that that's you get it? You see it, don't you? That's what that's what this whole thing's about. And it's all throughout the scriptures. Why did they crucify Jesus? Well, they crucified Jesus because it was God's plan for the redemption of mankind. But they crucified Jesus because they wanted to make sure that you didn't step in his place when he was gone. And if it's going to happen to him, it's going to happen to you. In fact, didn't he say that? Didn't Jesus himself say in Matthew chapter 5, they persecuted me first? They're going to persecute you. Didn't he tell us that? Didn't he warn? And somewhere along the line, did we come up with a persecution-free Christianity? Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. We now live a persecution-free Christianity, right? And if you stand up and you speak on the Lord's behalf and you get persecuted, your own household will be against you. Somebody say amen. See the picture unfold? Amen. Every pastor in every town will be pointing the finger at you. I see what they did to Pastor Bill. I see that's what they did to Pastor Bill. They're going to do that to you too. You don't fight the government. Oh, amazing. Some things never change. Some things never change. So we have to understand the game that's being played. And the game that's being played is fear and intimidation. And you're going to have to make a decision. Will you, oh my goodness, are you going to deny Christ? Are you going to hide in your cubbyhole and say, I'll, I'm pray, I pray every day, coach. Oh, I got a powerful prayer life. Oh, yeah. Hiding in your prayer closet. Oli, oli, and free. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Come on, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, come on, oli, oli, and free. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.